message from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go C1. You gave me permission? Do you know what you're saying? <laughs> okay, here's what I want to do while you're still on your feet right now. I want to start but just reading a scripture to kick this thing off. 2 Timothy 4.2 says this. It says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. You may be seated. You may be seated. You know, each house has its own culture. And, and when you come into like somebody's house for the first time, they have their own unique smells. They have these visuals you walk in and it's so normal to them. They might not know it, it, it smells the way it smells. They might not know that it looks the way it looks to you because that perspective is different because the culture of every house is different. And so when you come into V1 Church, this is our house that we're making and, and creating together each week and trying to make better. And, and we have conversations about that. And, and so, you know, depending on where you come from, this house might feel weird, but it also might be like pleasantly weird. Where you're like, wow, this is kind of cool. I don't mind this house. And so today we're gonna have like a family conversation, but I just wanna start by saying this. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about my house growing up, what it was like being in my home. And I want to start by saying this. Now, this might trigger some tragic memories, so I want everyone to stand by right now. But if you know what a wooden spoon, what chocolates, and a belt all have in common, your childhood might not have been too good. <laughs> now, let me just say this. My mom was not afraid to use these in every single way they were and were not designed to be used. I don't know if you come from a home like this. I, I'm just telling you straight up, like everyone's clapping. You were clapping when you were a kid. You were running. And the thing about my mom, so this is like more like Hispanic culture, but the chancla is like, you know, the, the, the best $2 you can ever spend in your life. Because that, now if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about that flip-flop for the white folks in the room. That flip-flop could do some damage and the thing is, the few times that I actually tried to outrun my mom, I would get down the hallway and in the room and watch it turn a corner. She would take it off and throw it. She was like Joe Montana back in the day. You know Joe Montana? And it, that mug would turn like she had the trajectory just right and hit me right in the face. Or the wooden spoon. Now, we got some Italians on Long Island, am I right? And you know that that wooden spoon was not only for making sauce, but it was for beating the sauce out of you. Some of you got the wooden spoon, and we're going to pray for you after service because we know you've got wounds on the inside <laughs> that still need to be healed. Now, some of you who are in the evolved homes, the highly educated homes, you got timeouts. You got privileges put on pause. The rest of us, we got ruthlessly beat. <laughs> ruthlessly beat my mom now is going through this thing where she's like you know grandmother status and now it's kicking in like I beat them like it just hit her recently like man I was a little too hard on them I'm like you were mom where were you with this revelation <laughs> and some of you had siblings that lied on you and you got beatings you didn't even deserve we're not gonna go there though <laughs> let's just pray before we go any further father I thank you for this time Lord, I pray that during this message, you would do what only you can do. Lord, I'm not here to preach my opinion. I want to preach your word, your word. 
The Bible says that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword and it pierces into the heart. Lord, that it separates, that it divides, that it literally can do surgery while I'm speaking and lives can be changed forever. And I give you permission today to have your way, not mine. And I thank you for a church that hungers after your word. I thank you for a church that hungers and thirsts after your word that takes notes and gets revelation and revisits that revelation. A, a church that's guided by your word as a lamp to our foot so that we don't slip up and we don't have to even guess about what the next step is because it's already outlined in your word. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so this is our grand finale, and we got shirts for you, and somebody even blessed our church with these little wallet things you can like stick on the back of your, your wallet, and it's real cool, and we got stuff for you today, but, but you know, stuff will gather a crowd for a day. You know, good music, you'll come out to a concert for a night, but when people were expressing, I come back every single week, they're not coming here for a concert and they're not coming here for a t-shirt. They're coming here because they wanna be a part of the church. And so because this is our house, we're gonna have a family talk in our living room today. Is that all right with you? And we're just gonna kinda lay it out. This is our living room, we're fancy, we're fancy. And we're gonna lay out some rules today for our house in this home that God has allowed me to name V1. Because really we're the body of Christ and we're connected with other believers all over the planet right now who are meeting and, and living and dying even for the gospel. But in this local house, we gotta set up some rules and we gotta have that crucial conversation where we all come together and we just say, all right, let's, let's take notes and let's dig in and let's talk about how we're gonna do life together. And in, in this season, I felt like it was important to close down this last message by establishing the rules of our house. And so if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The first rule that we have in this house is we don't hide. In this house, we don't hide. In this house, we don't hide. Now, why do you hide? In life, why do you hide? You hide because there's shame connected to your actions. You hide because you're like, if someone finds out who I really am and what I'm really doing, it's gonna change the way that they love me. It's gonna change the way that they treat me. And so what happens is, is when you're a church and you don't love people with an unlimited supernatural love, it creates a condition where people feel like the only option I have is to hide. And so what I want to tell you up front is that the rule number one of our house here is you are not allowed to hide. But what I'm going to do to counterbalance that is I'm going to unconditionally love you the best I can and walk with you through patience and endurance and, and come alongside of you and say, we're going to help you realize and reach your potential. And I want to take a look. It was just like mind-blowing to me. I, I was just digging through Scripture. And I know some of you in this room are little junior theologians, and, and you're ready to dig in. And I was looking at Exodus chapter 33, and I was asking God, when did the version of the church first descend on the planet Earth? Like, Because some of us come from all these different traditions and all these different religions, and you're in this room right now, and you're saying, man, I, I want to, this is cool, but where is this at in the Bible? And I want to tell you that when the church, very the very first incarnation of it showed up on planet earth it was exodus chapter 33 and you have verse 7 and i've got it here and you can write this down and moses he began to set up this tent and he called it the tent of meeting 
And in that tent, he had a physical dialogue with God. Now this was completely unheard of in this era of human history. And I'm going to read to you now. It says, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went into the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance of their tents, watching Moses until he entered. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped. So you see this church is beginning to descend on earth, each at the entrance of their tent. And so worship was something that they did close to home. And as they saw Moses going to meet with God, all of a sudden they begin to stand and the cloud of God's presence and glory begin to form and they begin to worship by their home. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Everyone say face to face. Can you imagine that as one speaks to a friend? So the very first version of church that we have biblically is this intensely intimate relationship where Moses is talking to God face to face and the Bible goes and takes that even further and says, as one speaks to a friend. And there's so many New Yorkers who I'm like, here, take the microphone and pray right now. And they're like, well, hold on, I don't know how to do that because where I come from, we memorize these prayers. Where I come from, we script them out and we've made it into that. And you know, I don't want to bash that for a second because I believe that when that prayer showed up for the very first time and the first person who scripted out had a deeply profound revelation of God and said, hey, if we're going to speak and declare something over our lives, let's say this. And probably everyone felt the presence of God as they declared it for the first time. But what often begins as a revelation can turn into a monument and turn into a statue and even an idol if we're not careful. And we got to go back and say, what did it look like in the tent of meeting? No, it wasn't a movie theater and it wasn't even stained glass windows. It was just a tent because it was a private place. And you know, a tent doesn't let light in. And it was probably a little bit darker. So if you're like, I don't like that church, it's too dark. You want to like the tent of meeting. And all of a sudden he meets with God face to face and there's this intimacy. I wanna tell you at V1 Church, we invite you during worship to have intimate moments with God. Face to face as one talks to a friend. And you know why I love Moses? Because Moses was real. Moses is like the OG of scripture because he screwed up so bad and had this real dialogue. He even begins to talk to him in Exodus chapter 33 in a way that scares me a little to even read it. Can I keep reading? It says this, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know, I know you by name, Moses, and you have found favor with me. But if you are pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Now that's a little back talk right there. And if you read it like that, He's having this dialogue with God and it would have sounded like this. Well, God, I've been going to V1 church and they're telling me that the vision is to help me realize and reach my potential through you. But I keep screwing up every week and I don't know how to do this thing that you've called me to do. What am I supposed to do, God? Like I'm showing up, but I feel like things aren't connecting. Things aren't clicking. That doesn't sound like a religious prayer, does it? 
That sounds like a dialogue. And when you're in the house of your father, it's okay to talk to him like you talk to a friend. And this is how the Lord replied. But before we go to verse 14, I want to say my favorite thing about verse 14 is this, this phrase, the Lord replied. Let me just say it again. The Lord replied. You are not just screaming to a ceiling. You are not just releasing words into the atmosphere. I'm telling you, some of you right now this morning are about to learn verse 14 in Exodus 33. The Lord replied to you. He's talking to you right now. Do you know I get messages every single week through every means of social media, my cell phone, people telling me, are you buzzing? My, like, are you literally tapping, wiretapping my phone? Like, how do you know what to even say? Do you know it's just the Lord saying like in verse 14, I'm replying to you because I do hear you. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Do you know in the greatest assignment that was given to Moses in his life, God told him, here's what you need to worry about. Worry about me going with you and worry about resting while you accomplish it. Now, who wears the leadership podcast on that? <laughs> He said, I will go with you, and because I'm with you, I will give you rest. And I'm telling you, if you're in this place and nothing you do seems to be successful, you gotta ask yourself, is God going with me? If you're here and you can never get rest, you might be asking yourself right now, is God actually with me? Hello, well, do I need to give you the well today? Well. I'm just teaching, you know, if you need to volley something up to the person next to you, some of these couples, I see some couples sitting here and there's some things I'm going to say that's easier for me to say from this microphone than you do in the car because you tried it on the way here and you saw how that worked out. <laughs> and so if you need to, you can just say, well, and just lean into them like that. Well, <laughs> but the Lord go with you. And then the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. The Lord knows you by name in this place. You are not forgotten by God. You are not just another social security number. You are not just another family member forgotten and abandoned. You are known by name by the master of the universe. And all you've got to do is ask. So when you come into this tent of meeting, number one, what is it? You're not allowed to hide. And there was an intimacy that was happening between Moses and God. And you know what, what Moses did? This is, this is what's actually happening. Moses is starting to communicate with God and God's replying to him. And so all of a sudden Moses is sensing, okay, I'm talking with him as you talk with a friend. So I'm going to go to the next level now. I'm going to ask God to go through another barrier of intimacy and I'm going to ask him, show me your glory. And some of you in this place, you've been like, man, I've been walking this Christian walk, Pastor Mike. I don't feel like I'm going anywhere. I feel like I'm stagnant. I want to challenge you. Ask God, show me your glory. All right, God, I'm willing to get real with you. I'm willing to show you what I really am. I'm willing to share my fears and my doubts and my anxieties. But will you share your glory? Because if you'll ask for it, God says this, I will show you my glory. The glory of God is his nature. And when you say, show me your glory, you're saying, God, show me your very manifest presence and the nature of who you are here on planet Earth. It was funny because we had a team meeting last, a dream team meeting last. I challenge you this week, wherever you're at, to begin to make a tent of meeting. 
because I think it's so important to look at Exodus chapter 33 and see that they actually worship by their own home and then there was a collective large gathering that they did where they came together and you need both you need both and if you need a Spotify playlist baby we'll post one so you can rock out these worship sets at your house the second rule that we have in this house and I hope this is okay with you is we allow each other awkward phases Jinko jeans Liberty spikes dyed blonde tips dreadlocks I had dread this is all me okay I'm just confessing at one point I had dreadlocks I cut them off and saved them in a Ziploc baggie I still have them <laughs> blue hair green hair I done it all I went through some awkward faces I'm in one right now I just don't realize it 15 years from now we'll be looking at pictures from this service when you and you'll be like remember when we were in our beginnings at v1 church and you'll be laughing look at that dude remember when you look like that pastor mike i'll be like yeah and so we allow each other awkward phases because we all have awkward phases and i don't want to be that church that can't do life and live life with people as they go through awkward phases like in every healthy home you're going to have teenagers piercing their lip some parents are like, I rebuke that Satan. <laughs> but we're going to do things that, that really just buck up against the identity that we feel like we have in our family to join this larger tribe called the rest of society. And we do that oftentimes by rebelling. And so guess what? There's going to be some people in this house that kick back. There's going to be some people in this house who, who start to go through awkward phases. And you're going to say, man, they were with us and they used to be like this. Why are they this right now? Well, will you love them through that awkward phase? Because I'll tell you what doesn't work, condemning them through it. Some houses have lost children forever because of how they treated them in an awkward phase. Are you somebody getting revelation right now? Some houses have lost children forever because of how they treated them off of a hair color that they weren't even going to have six months later. And there is some sin and mess in people's lives and even in this room right now that there is a due date on it. God is dealing with it in your heart right now and it's not forever and I'm not going to treat you like your sin. I'm going to treat you like your destiny because guess what? Things change because people change. Man, come on. In a good home, there's room for change. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm going to let you change. Now turn to that other person that you ignored and say, I'll let you change too. <laughs> In a good home, we let each other change. Julie, do I have your permission to keep growing as a husband? Because always, all I ever saw was bad husbands. Bella and Everly, do I have your permission to try to be a better dad? I messed up this week. I need your permission to change because I'm still figuring this whole dad thing out because all I saw was bad dads. Some of you in this place, you need the, the room to change and a grace-filled house where you literally walk into this movie theater and you start drowning in an ocean of grace will produce some men and women of God that Long Island has never seen because they're saying, I am not afraid to fail in this house because I'm learning how to walk in front of you. And I would never take out the chancla and I would never take out the belt and the wooden spoon on somebody who's learning how to walk. And some of us get, got beat in other churches for the wrong things. Man, some of you are about to forward this podcast to some friends and family. <laughs> Another house rule 
is in this house, we serve others, not ourselves. Let me just say it again. In this house, we serve others, not ourselves. I want to read you a scripture. Many of you guys know John 3.16, but I'm going to read you James 3.16. It says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Whoa. If you want to know what opens the portal of hell, think about Ghostbusters. If you want to know what opens the portal of hell in your life, and every other evil work jumps through that portal. It's not witchcraft, it's not getting down and doing voodoo. It's not Santeria in your closet. The thing that opens the portal of hell according to scripture in your life is selfish ambition. Let me read you this scripture again. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. Wow. And so have you ever been to maybe another church, another house and be like, that house seems so out of order? Well, check their motives. Is it selfish ambition? Have you ever even been to a workplace or another organization and been like, man, it just seems like this place is chaotic. It seems like everyone gossips and everyone backbites and everyone is just gunning for their own selfish ambition. Yes, they have now opened up the gateway to every other evil practice. Isn't that crazy? You want to know why? You were not designed for selfish ambition. By your very nature, biologically, you were designed to serve others. You were designed to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And so when you start to serve yourself with selfish ambition, you literally work against the law of nature and the law of God for your very existence. And there is a repercussion for that. Now here, that was the bad news. You're like, okay, thanks for the apocalyptic message. You want to hear the good news? The good news is this. If you begin to serve, your sanity is literally waiting for you in your serving. If you're here and you're like, I'm just going out of my mind. I feel like I'm losing it, Pastor Mike. I feel like the pressures of my life are so great. If I could write you any prescription this morning and just dole you out the biggest dose of it, it wouldn't be any pharmaceutical. You know what it would be? A big dose of serve other people. Because as you get outside of yourself, you would begin to find yourself. The, the goal of every good home church should be, number one, to help you find your true identity, and then number two, to help you lose it, to give it away, to give yourself away. And people are going on that journey right now, all in front of me, and I love having a front row seat for people like, oh, this is what I'm called to do. I get it now. This is the plan for my life. I, and they click in that mode. And then three, four, five weeks later, they begin to lose themselves as they give that gift away. And they find a sound mind begins to come over them. We're living in one of the most depressed generations of human history. Right now, statistically, the colleges are completely overwhelmed with, with kids who are actually taking extended time off in the universities for depression. This is what we live in right now. And if I could shout anything to the world that they could hear, I would tell them it's time to begin to serve. Because when you come from this narcissistic generation of earning a 36th place trophy for a shoe kicking contest in the fourth grade, that's actually a true story. My elementary school in Northwest Indiana at the height of the self-esteem movement gave me 
a little trophy for 36th place for a contest we had where you took your shoe, untied it loosely, and kicked it. And who could kick their shoe the farthest? Do you know what happens to your identity and your psyche when you find out there is no such thing as 38th place in real life? You're like, I've been living a lie. I thought I was great. And what's happening is that as these people are transitioning through the next phases of life and they have lived this lie that it's all about me, their identity is crashing. But guess what? God has engineered one of the greatest gospel movements we are ever going to have in America because as their false identity is shattered, he's waiting on the other side through you in this room to say, oh, you come over here. I got your true identity waiting for you. You are a son and daughter of the king. And no, it's not about you, but God is going to use you to do great things. But what it's going to be is how great you can serve. So in this house, one of our rules is we serve others, not ourselves. Matter of fact, like I, I have some homework for you guys, and this is James chapter three, verse 16. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this in motion right now. It says this, for where you have envy, you know what envy it is, right? Envy is like saying, man, Pastor Mike, I wish that I could just rock a leather jacket like that dude. I'm just kidding, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> envy is, envy is, you know, who do they think they are? But deep down inside, you're like, man, I wish I had a little bit of that. That's, that's envy, right? And we all have these people in our social media timelines that every single time we see their name, there's something in you that goes and throw, you throw up in your mouth just a little bit. And you're like, there they go again with their happy marriage. There they go again with their cute little kids. And there's a little bit of something in you, this selfish ambition, this envy that's existing in your heart. And you're like, and, and even when, the, and sometimes they post some bomb comment or they post some bomb status and you're looking at it and you're like, gosh, that's so good, but I'll never like any of their stuff. <laughs> oh, I know I'm calling somebody out. I know I got somebody's number. You're all sitting there all pious and religious. You know I got your number. They post something that you know is legit and you're like, I'm not liking that. Oh no, oh no, oh no. They ain't seeing my name on their notification. I am not giving them my name on their notification. Oh, you know, you know. I'm talking about house rules. <laughs> I'm talking about house rules. So here's my homework for you to combat James 3.16 in your heart because you know that you're drinking poison. You know that it's gonna take you out, not them. You withholding that, that affirmation for them and that celebration for them is not gonna do them out, you know? My homework for you this week is to like everything they post. <laughs> My homework for you this week to root out the selfish ambition and the envy in your heart is to like all their statuses and celebrate them this week. Matter of fact, somebody, somebody needs to share some of their statuses. Somebody needs to repost them. Because see, when you begin to have a heart of celebration, you become more like your dad. I'm talking about your spiritual dad. See, and, and maybe if you can't do that, you don't live in this house. Maybe your dad is the devil because what he likes to do is criticize. And maybe you are acting just like your father. What he likes to do is condemn. What Satan likes to do is remember people's mistakes, not forget them. And so if you're looking at people in your timeline and that's your mentality, then who's your daddy? Because it might not be daddy Jesus. 
Because Daddy Jesus celebrates us even while you're in your sin. He's looking at you with the eyes of the Savior saying, I've got everything you need to turn this around and become all I've called you to do. All you've got to do is get up. And he celebrates us even in our mess. And he affirms us in our true identity. And so for you to become more like God, your challenge this week is the James 3.16 challenge. You can even hashtag it. Maybe, maybe you like their post and then you drop a comment, hashtag James 3.16. No, no, you'll stir up strife. You'll stir up strife. You're good at that already. So <laughs> we're going to be a church that celebrates each other. We're going to be a church that says, I'm going the distance with you, and I forgive you, and I love you, and I choose to see you the way that God sees you. And the last rule for this house today is in this house, you are fathered. In this house, you choose. So if you make a commitment and say, V1's home, I, I, you know what? I'm one of those skeptical New Yorkers who are like, yeah, they give me coffee. What's in the coffee? Because it's like, I just want to come back. What is this? I'm skeptical. Let me just tell you, it's the love, my, my New York accent's getting better. It's the love of the Father that's drawing you to his house so he can meet with you like he met with Moses, to be a friend to you. And so in this house, your Father, let me, let me read 1 Corinthians 4.15, and I, I love this. It's in the Amplified Translation. It says, for even if you were to have 10,000 teachers to guide you in Christ, Yet you would not have many fathers who led you to Christ and assume responsibility for you. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the good news of salvation. So let me explain something to you right now, okay? Because we have the internet, yes, Furtick can throw down. Yes, T.D. Jakes can throw down. Yes, Simon Sinek can really throw down intellectually. Yes, Gary Vanderchuk has got some truth bombs that he drops. But you have many, many teachers, many people to learn from, but you only have one spiritual father. And see, when I stand before God, I'm going to be accountable for your soul. God's not going to ask Furtick, well, tell me about that guy who liked your post in 2017. Tell me about his soul. And Furtick's going to say, I didn't have responsibility for them. They weren't at elevation. It's going to be Mike Signorelli who goes before the throne of God in humility. He says, what'd you do with Jonathan? What'd you do with Ozzy? You have many teachers, but you only have one spiritual father. And I'm the one who's going to stand before God accountable for what happens while you're in this house. And I'm here to tell you, if you're willing to let yourself come into this place and let your roots go down deep, you will find something that you'll say it was like a treasure that I tripped over in a field. It was the very kingdom of God on earth. And it was majestic and it was holy and the glory of God descended on that place like a cloud and we talked to him like he was a friend to us and we dialogued with him and we shared our fears and our intrepidation and yet he responded I'll show you more of my nature and my glory and then we'll go on this journey together called life because guess what it's in this place that you get a eulogy and you get a legacy and T.D. Jakes is not going to be at your funeral doing your eulogy. It's going to be me. <laughs> T. 
T.D. Jakes and Furtick and those guys are not going to be counseling you through marriage and all the ups and downs of the relationships in life and the struggles that you have. It happens in this tent, in this place of meeting, in this house called V1 Church. And so when you have a bunch of people who say, I wear this, this badge, I heart my church, they're not saying I love organized religion because you can already tell we're not about that. But what we're saying is we're about organizing ourselves around a passion and a hunger to know the one who redeemed us and pulled us out of the miry clay and turned us around and washed us clean and gave us a name that was not our old name and gave us a hope and gave us a future. And that's what I love. I love that I have a place that knows me by name and a God that knows me by name. And we're not, we're not here for any other reason that the Holy Spirit drew you. You could not be anywhere else. You had to be here today. It was in your destiny today, a divine appointment on the calendar of your life. Today, you're going to V1 Church to encounter God. And so as we steward this moment right now, everyone stand to their feet. It's not I love my religion. It's I love my church. The very thing that Jesus bled for. The, you know, the very least we can do is sweat for it. He bled for it. And that's why when people ask me, what's the most important thing you could do with your life, Pastor Mike? I'm like, lay it down for the church. Because that was the most important thing that Jesus did. And so when we say WWJD, that we're saying I'm willing to lay my entire life down so that a group of people can come into the meeting place and meet with God. And so what I want you to do right now is just close your eyes. Some of you have been just feeling God brooding over you. You felt that cloud begin to roll into this place. There was something captivating your heart, something that was just speaking to you during this entire time. And you're like, man, maybe I am home and with your eyes closed I just want you to visualize something for me with me right now I, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home I had five stepdads and, and, and I went through a lot in my home my home was not something I ran to it's something I ran from and I had this friend growing up with a good Long Island Italian name his name was Chris Angelusi and Chris Angelusi's home was different than my home and, and do you know that I spent every single weekend of my childhood into my early teens at Chris Angelusi's home? Anything I could do to get to his house, because see, in his house, he had a mother and a father, and, and they loved each other, and they made dinner every night, and the house was generally clean, and they literally had two kids, a boy and a girl, and a dog and a cat, and a front yard, and the backyard with the pool, and it was literally like perfection for me. And I wanted to get into that place no matter what I could do. And some of you are in this tragedy called your life right now, and you don't see God's purpose and plan in it. And, and, and the home that you're in right now, maybe even your spiritual home, maybe you're somewhere, I, I don't know, maybe it's even your home that, that you're gonna go back to here and there's this, this place that you're like, man, it's not like that, Pastor Mike. But when I came in today, I felt something. I felt something drawing me. I, I begin to go into another home. I begin to go into another atmosphere. And I know that this is where I can find rest. If you're here with every eye closed and you're saying, I want to come home. 
I want to come home. Just raise your hand with no one looking around. I want to come home to Jesus. I want to come home to the church. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.